0: Your money is a direct reflection of the relationship that you have with yourself. And it's a matter of self-care. Self-care means not making excuses. Self-care means being disciplined, keeping promises to yourself. It means making personal development a priority. It means being motivated to take the steps that are necessary to create the best life for yourself now and for future you and it means making healthy choices and at the end of the day, we can apply that to our money and a lot of people don't see it that way
1: Hey, welcome back to the next peak podcast. I'm your host, Clint Herndon. And uh, you know, I get a question a lot of what is your podcast about? Do you sit around and talk about boring things like taxes and accounting? And I said, man, thankfully we don't, because I think we'd put people to sleep. So if you go back and look at all of our episodes, I think we've done one on finance. And the funny part is I get a lot of people asking, like, why don't you talk about that more? Why don't you talk about that more? don't get into the taxes and the weeds, but why can't you talk about personal finance and and business finance? And so I tracked down a fabulous guest who is a financial expert all the way from New York. We were introduced through uh, a Navy SEAL friend of ours, and she's just been a pleasure to get to know. So I've invited Marielle Schurig on the show today. She is a wealth manager and vice president at UBS Financial in New York. So Marielle, thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, Clint.
1: So what's cool about your story is a lot of the things that you're teaching don't come from personal experience, but more a passion or a need that you've seen and tried to fill. So specifically, what's your target and and how do you help people in this arena?
0: Yeah, so my goal as a financial advisor and wealth manager I like to call it, you know, our business is called wealth management, but I like to call it the financial advice industry is to help people have an empowering relationship with their money and help them make the right choices in order for them to live the life of their dreams and to really achieve their goals with greater success than they ever thought possible. And that comes with having a plan around your finances. So, I work with families, entrepreneurs, corporate executives, next gen clients, and we help them manage their finances to really get them to that level of success and fulfillment that they want in their lives.
1: And if anybody Googles your name, they're going to find quite a few topics on working with women and helping people through divorces, specifically women. What attracted you to that niche uh, of the industry?
0: Mm -hmm. So, well, let me first get into why I got into wealth management really Um, all really tied together so when I was in college I was a finance major and I went to a small business school up in Boston called Bentley University and because I studied finance I thought that the path to go down was investment banking that's all I knew and that's that what I thought a financial major did but you know I could not get an internship in investment banking I don't know if my grades weren't good enough. I mean, my school was surrounded by Harvard, MIT, Tufts. I was competing with all of these people. I just couldn't get in front of anyone. But I did get a, an interview in wealth management at UBS, which is where I am currently. And I. It was in their wealth management department. And I thought at the time that, well, I interviewed, I got the job and I took it gingerly because I thought that I could then get my way into the investment bank. Only there was a small problem that the investment banking division and the wealth management division... Really didn't interact (laughs) all too much. In fact, they weren't, their offices weren't even in the same building. So I had no opportunity to meet a banker in the elevator and offer to buy them lunch and ask if I could pick their brain. There was none of that going on. But what it allowed me to do was focus on what was right in front of me. And I got hired at a firm where wealth management was their primary business. For UBS, they're one of the top wealth managers in the world. And I was lucky to be there. And I was hired by a team of four really great guys. They were in their 30s. They were sharp. they were passionate. They were put together. And they pushed me past my comfort zone. And I ended up working with them for a few years at the end of my senior... Until the end of my senior year... And when I graduated, I applied to be in their new financial advisor training program, which is a two-year program. When I graduated from college, it was in 2009 during the financial crisis. And I went to school with a lot of other finance majors. So you can imagine the dark cloud that was over our school around graduation when all of us got the news that our jobs were rescinded. And so my position and job at UBS was no more. And I called everyone I knew, any contact. I really liked this business. And one of the things, and I wanted to do it. And one of the things that I really liked about it was that I could be in finance while also having meaningful conversations with people about their goals and what they want to accomplish in their lives and their families, their businesses, their careers, how they want to give back, right? What they're passionate about, how they want to change the world. If you're having these conversations about money in the right way, you get to uncover all of these things about people. And I really loved that. So I decided that this is what I wanted to do. So I called everyone that I knew. Any contact I made during that time. I got two interviews, one at Merrill Lynch, one at Morgan Stanley, both in New York. Merrill Lynch wanted me to be an assistant for a few years. First, Morgan Stanley was willing to feed me to the sharks and let me start off as a new financial advisor right away. And of course, that's what I chose to do. You know, getting to why women in my training class at Morgan Stanley, at the time, I was the only woman in that class. That's intimidating. I remember walking into the office for our 7 a.m. training meetings, and I had the Wall Street Journal in one hand, figuring out what's going on in the world. And on my phone, I was looking up on ESPN.com. So I had something to say in the morning meetings when the guys would be talking about all these sports stats. I like sports. I like to play sports. I don't know them well enough to know all of these stats. And so You know, I felt like a fish out of water and I felt like I didn't really necessarily belong there. But that's, you know, I think when you are in situations where you feel like you don't belong, that's kind of where you do belong because there needs to be a different perspective in that room. And back then I really had to earn my place there. And to me, success just meant survival and proving myself to the guys that I was worthy of being there. So, as a rookie in the business, after you take all the tests, um, you they give you a computer and a phone, and they say, "Great, build a practice, bring in clients." And if you don't do that, you know you're technically fired. And I started to do that, and it was hard. I got, I mean, talk about building thick skin. Try and be a 22, 23 year old asking, you know, successful people if you can help manage their finances. You know, I got told no a lot. And there were a few people and who are still clients of mine today who took a chance on me. I was young. They saw I was willing to work really hard. I I think what made me stand out is that I genuinely really cared and A lot of people thought that I was very trustworthy and that they could rely on me. So a lot of those same people are my clients today, and I really don't know if they truly know the impact of their yes that they really had on me at that stage. But as I was growing my business, I started getting a lot of referrals of women from women um, of women, and these were women who were coming to me for advice and reaching out when they were going through a really difficult life transition. And Clint, I'm sure you've seen this in your business too. When people are going through a difficult life transition, they can't necessarily think that clearly, right? And it's harder to plan, right? And so a lot of the negative life transitions that I saw for some of these women were was either divorce or losing their spouse. And at the time, I found that these women were coming to me and they never once before had a role in handling the family's finances and that they deferred a lot of those long-term financial decisions to their spouse. So when their spouse was no longer there for that, there was no one really to fill their shoes. And because they were left in the dark in that way... I saw they either did one or two things. They were either trying to learn these new things while going through some really tough emotions, which makes it really hard, or they completely froze in fear and did nothing. And... I wanted to get in front of this. I'm a certified financial planner and I became a certified divorce financial analyst. I've been one for about six or seven years now. And that has allowed me to get in on the front end of a lot of these divorce cases and help educate a lot of these women through the process. So they're not coming to me after the fact. So they know how to make the right decisions during, you know, during that time in their life.
1: Yeah, it is such a pivotal time to set themselves up for future success. And it's like you said, it's really hard to make decisions in that both for men and women. But yeah, I've seen that in my office where I've helped some divorced uh, women. I've helped some widows that come in and they, you know, again, never managed the finances, didn't know anything about any of the financial transactions or how it worked. When you start with folks like that, Obviously, you're not starting with a conversation about ETFs and options and backdoor Roth's and things like that. So, what are some of the basics that you teach people to just say, "Hey, let's," you know, you've come from a place where you somebody else managed this for you. Let's start talking about here's the basic steps that you need to get in place in order to be successful going
0: forward. You have to get to the heart of what makes people do the things that they do, right? And so. Why did they not make this a priority in their life, right? Clearly, they didn't find that it was an important and meaningful aspect of their life until it was one of the biggest elephants in the room that they had to deal with. So if you start throwing jargon and a lot of information at people, unless you get them motivated to learn, and unless you get down to the heart of why they're here in the first place, um, you'll you'll never push someone into making the right choices. So the message that I have is really simple when it comes to money, and this goes for men and women, but our finances, our foundation, right? You know, our money directly affects the quality of our life and what we want for our future. And when it comes to money, it's essential, especially for women to know how to make it, save it, plan with it, invest it, grow it use it to our advantage, and empower it by giving back and supporting causes that we're passionate about. And when I reframe that money conversation in the way where I talk to someone and I say that your money is a direct reflection of the relationship that you have with yourself, and it's a matter of self-care, people see it differently. And... What does self-care look like? And what does that mean? Self-care means not making excuses. Self-care means being disciplined, keeping promises to yourself. It means making personal development a priority for you. It means being motivated to take the steps that are necessary to create the best life for yourself now and for future you. And it means making healthy choices. And at the end of the day, we can apply that to our money. And a lot of people don't see it that way.
1: I love that approach because you're not getting into like, okay, somebody comes in your office, you go, oh, let's bust out your budget and work through this. Instead, you're going, okay, let's start with, you know, who are you? What do yeah. you want in life? And those are the things that you can back into. And uh, one thing I hear a lot is, I don't want to be on a budget because that's too restrictive. But what I can hear you saying is, there's just, you're trying to change the mindset, right? Yeah. So, Is this a several session meeting that you're checking in with these folks and how does that approach work?
0: Yeah, it's a lot. It depends on where someone's at, right? But it's my job to assess that and to see where we need to fix some beliefs, belief systems. I never call it a budget. I call it a spending plan. For that exact reason, people feel very restricted by the word budget. But when I call it a spending plan and say, okay, we can spend money here, we can spend money there, this is where we're going to be spending. Again, it's all about giving someone a fresh perspective on a topic that they may have previously found to be very restrictive. And at the end of the day, money is also energy. So if you're feeling, if you're neglecting your money, if you are avoidant, if you feel stressed or overwhelmed with it, you're doing it wrong because it should make you feel empowered and confident and independent and give you freedom in your choices. And so I try and really reframe all of these negative stories that people have around money, which then in turn, cause them to take the wrong actions in everyday life. So... Again, it depends on where someone's at in their journey, their money journey and their personal development journey. Some takes. Sometimes it takes a while and sometimes people are motivated right off the bat. You just have to say the right, you just have to say the right words. And the right words aren't necessarily budget or 401k or retirement savings, right? You know, it's getting more to, you know, who they are and what they want out of life.
1: When you start out with anybody that's kind of a new into this financial literacy world, what are you finding is missing the most from either whether it's from education or their nuclear family, raising them, whatever, what are the skills that they're kind of missing when they hit adulthood or these tough situations come up?
0: Yeah. So because I manage money for a lot of people who've already had some form of success, right? there's a complicated need. And so for a lot of people that come to me, they are successful business owners or successful executives, the people that I generally work with that don't have that financial knowledge are some of the women that come to me Mm. who are going through that divorce or lost a spouse. And sometimes women, sometimes it's the man, right? But oftentimes it's the woman in those situations. So, but going through that has allowed me to, it sparked my passion to work with younger people. So I'm also able to take some of the lessons that I've learned from some really successful folks that I work with. Not only am I helping them with their finances, they also inspire me because some of them have such incredible stories of how they got to where they are. And I've learned a lot of different principles from working with them. And so a few years ago, I started talking to groups of younger women around their finances. And again, this is not gender based the same goes for men for a lot of these principles. Women do however have different financial situations than men do and you know that was another reason why I was more passionate about talking to women there's a bigger need there when you look at you know a woman's life and her capacity to earn you know women take more breaks from the workforce than men do to take care of aging parents or relatives or children. We live longer than men. So we need our money to stretch over longer periods of time. As women, our incomes peak earlier than men do. On average, women's incomes peak in their 40s. Men's incomes generally peak in their 50s and 60s. Women tend to are... I don't like to say risk-averse. We just don't take as much risk as men. We want to be more educated before we take risks. And sometimes that leads us to not investing our money. We leave a lot more of our money in cash than men do. And when we retire, women end up with two-thirds the amount of money than men do. Yet we live longer. So we need more and we need to you know, use less money to stretch over longer periods of time. So... I started talking to younger groups of women in their 20s who were just starting off in their careers, probably just managing their finances for the first time, making money for the first time for some people who have real you know, jobs after college. And I wanted these women to have this aha moment that my finances are a meaningful aspect of my life. And they're so important for me. And I wanted that aha moment to happen before that aha moment was a negative life event later on so in all those talks and all those conversations that i've had one of the biggest things that i've found that's holding that hold people back is the is their money story and what do i mean by that a money story is really the unconscious beliefs that someone has around money And often for many of us, it comes from, you know, growing up as young children into adulthood and it shapes our attitudes around money. And it could be the culture that we were brought up in, our family household, right? Was money a big issue of stress in the home? And for women too, we've been taught still from a young age that it's kind of the man's job. It's not necessarily our job. And even though women are in this new, you know, feminist era where we're breaking glass ceilings and, you know, crushing it in business and, you know, killing it in our careers, I was shocked to find that 70% of millennial women still defer their financial choices to a male counterpart. So once we get the money, we're then just letting someone else make the decisions about it. And that's not good for anyone really right. it's not about having women better than men it's having us on an equal playing field where we can have conversations together and better ourselves together but i think the main hurdle that a lot of people face is recreating a different money story in their lives
1: yeah i i deal with that a little bit when we do financial peace university we get a lot of that where the the man has managed the finances and, and the woman I, I mean it's been the other way as well, but I'd say the majority is that way. But one of the things that I noticed, and maybe you've seen this when you see it in Harmony, it does two things. One is it takes the pressure off of the man when the wife participates, because if something screws up, it's his fault. And that's, a, I mean, it's a ton of pressure, right? To manage a household all by yourself, make all these financial decisions. And then the other thing is the the wife feels less like she's being told How what she's gonna do, you know, like here's your twenty dollars, don't overspend. Instead, it's this team effort, they're making decisions together. And what I've found is the result has been very positive, you know, wealth management decisions, definitely moving the needle in the right direction to a budget and 401k improvements and all that type of stuff. Is that when you see that light bulb go on, you know, is it what happens in in that dynamic?
0: It's such a good conversation to have. So whenever and there are all different types of households, right? So anytime I have a couple come into my office, whoever's the breadwinner, and sometimes they both make the same amount. Sometimes one makes more than the other. Sometimes it's the woman that makes more, but I have them come in together and I want them both to participate in this conversation. And I think what happens in our lives is we also get so busy that we then assign different roles to people in the household. So you know, but those roles shouldn't be, you take care of all of our long-term financial planning and I'll do this. It's okay. You take out the trash and I'll take the kids to school. Right. So everyone needs to be on the same page when it comes to your finances. And I found that it brought people so much closer having these conversations, because again, it's not just about, are we saving enough for retirement? Or are we maxing these out? Or, you know, should we do a uh, Traditional? Should we, you know, take our money out of a IRA and roll it into a Roth? What does that look like? It's more about what do we want for our life? What do we want for our future? Do we, if we have kids, what do we want our legacy to be? Are there causes that we care about? How do we impact? How do we have a greater impact on this world? It's Those are the conversations. And when people are having conversations around that, and a couple is having a conversation around that, no matter who's making the money, it brings people closer together. And I've found some relationships transform because a big source of conflict in relationships is money. And when everyone's on the same page and everyone's working together as a team, it completely changes that dynamic.
1: Yeah. And getting back to what you were describing earlier, it it really shows uh, what somebody's life or what's important in their life. And and so it's not just about the money, but one of the things that my wife and I bring to each other in a nice balance is she helps me live, right? Like she's more, she's not a free spender by any stretch, but she's like, let's go on vacation. And, And I'm looking at, well, I want to hit this amount of money in the 401k this year. And she's like, yeah, you got to loosen up. Like, we'll get there, but we need to live on the way to retirement as well.
0: And that's a good dynamic to have, but you can't get there unless you talk about it. Right. Right. And so many people don't have those conversations and it's important to talk about. It's also good to have a neutral third party in the room. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) when you do have those conversations, but I can also ask leading questions that promote really good and healthy conversation around some of these topics.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's like putting on your counselor hat,
0: right? (laughs) Like a counselor therapist all the time. (laughs) And I like that. I like that a lot because it's really at the heart of it. That's what we're, you know, that's what you're here for. It's not just about having money or being wealthy or seeing a number on the screen. It's about what that can accomplish for you. And that's the goal. And so being able to have these deeper conversations around meaning and what this means for you goes far beyond just the number that you have on the screen.
1: So you've kind of hit on these points, but uh, if you could narrow it down, if somebody comes in or is listening on on this podcast and they're like, man, what are like three things that I can do right now? Do you have like your, a basic three step or three main things that you would hit with somebody that's brand new to finances?
0: So I would say, one, um, understand your money story. And I'll dig into that a little bit more too. Understand your money story, two, set goals. And three, want to learn. Learn and surround yourself with people who are motivated and encourage your growth. So to get back into your money story, you know, again, that's why I don't come on these things and I and talk about all of the little details about money because no one's going to make any decisions or choices unless they're motivated to do that. And in order to be motivated to do that, you need to understand what makes you tick why you do the things you do. So I encourage everyone to sit down and think about their personal money story. And it's different for all of us. And sit back and think, okay, so what are my money beliefs and how are they playing out in my life? Are they helping me? Are they hurting me? And are they holding me back? And once you really put that into context, it's powerful. And you begin to understand that a lot of the problems that we face are connected with this distorted and untransformed relationship that we have with ourselves. And that shapes the relationship that we have with money. So understanding that is one of the most important aspects. And I say, do that first, then set goals and set specific goals. So think about what it is that you want for your future. What does your perfect life look like? And don't sell yourself short right? does your perfect life look like? And how does money play a role in that? And for some people, it's a difficult question. It's a loaded question, but it can provide so much motivation and encourage you to make better choices in your everyday life. So set those goals, write those goals down, put pen to paper and write those goals down and make a plan. Because we all know that we can't decide our future, right? We don't know what the future holds, but we can decide our habits. um, And our habits dictate our future. So write down those goals, get really specific. Some examples of goals can be, you you want to have a certain amount of money saved in your 401k at the end of the year, or you want to make a certain amount of money this year. You want to have a certain amount of savings. You want to Buy that house, start that business, generate more revenue from your side hustle, send your kids to college, retire early. You know, there's all different types of goals that are different for everyone. And take the time to to write it down, to think about it, and then give it some meaning, right? Because money is meaningless unless we assign some value to it. And so we want to know what is this for? You know, what does this goal mean in my life? How will it make me feel? And what will it accomplish? So that's number two get those goals written down and then learn. You know, I tell people learning shouldn't be the first step, right? It's understanding who you are because you can know all of these things about personal finance and know all the right things that you're supposed to do. But if you're your own worst enemy, you're not going to be making the right choices and apply what you've learned to your life. So, you know, the third step is really to learn and surround yourself with people who are motivated in the same way as you are because knowledge is a lifetime pursuit. And you need to, you know, always be learning and always be wanting to develop yourself because your income will not exceed the work that you've done for personal development your net worth won't exceed your personal development and your happiness won't exceed your personal development. So getting that knowledge base and always working on yourself and then applying that knowledge to your life will be huge. So I'd say, know your money story, set those goals and keep learning.
1: And you could apply that in just about every walk of life, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I absolutely love what you're saying. I, I really hope people are paying attention to this because it isn't about winning with a spreadsheet. It's all about internal mindset, you know, what makes you tick? You know, why do you think you need the fancy car? You know, like those types of questions that, that I ask my clients, you know, they're, and those are tougher questions to answer than can I afford it? Or, you know, what does the spreadsheet tell me?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it goes beyond just the material things that money can buy you at the end of the day i believe we all just want to feel fulfilled in our life and answering those hard questions about why do i want this right not only do you know money can provide you with safety and security and you know empower you to do things that you dream of right and so that needs to be the foundation of why you want money and then When you And it's okay to enjoy it. It's okay to enjoy your money. Like your wife said, it's okay to enjoy life on this journey. That's what it's for. It's okay to enjoy it. But for a lot of successful people that I've worked with who have also made really big waves that I think in making this world a better place, you need to come from a place of abundance and you need to fill up your cup first before you have the resources to fill up other people's cup. And so making sure that you're taken care of so then you can make sure the people around you and the things that you care about are taken care of. And you have to ask yourself some of those difficult questions, those difficult why questions when it comes to money and, and every other aspect of your life.
1: Yeah. Gosh, I feel like we could just sit and chat all day about this, people's behaviors and money and all that type of stuff. I wish we had more time, but unfortunately we're coming to a close. I do want to ask because you are somebody who's always learning and growing. What are your top three books that you love that you would recommend, or other resources that you've come across, whether it's a podcast or a video or something that you just love and you, you wish you could share with everybody?
0: So I've been um, big into personal development. So there's a lot of business books that I like. There's a lot of books on on money. I think Rich Dad Poor Dad is a great one that I recommend to a lot of people. One. For personal development and just really understanding and living life um, to the fullest. I think The Power of Now is one of my favorite books as well. And, you know, it's not businessy, but, you know, there's a lot of people in business that are unhappy. So, you know, really trying to figure that out. And I guess some podcasts that I really like, I listen to Jim Kramer every day. You know, I listen to his podcast, I think he's great. And that just, you know, and he's more for stock ideas and investing but he also can get you motivated to you know to make money moves i really like him i love dave ramsey i think his whole group is very inspirational you know there's different people for different areas of your life and different things that you want to work on so it's really finding the ones that speak most to you but you know so those are some of the the things that i like to listen to personally
1: that's awesome the power of now is that what it was called mm-hmm. All right. I'm looking that one up. I have not
0: read that. Yeah. By Edgar Tolle. He's a spiritual teacher. He's very much, that was one of the first books that I read that you know, brought me along more of my, you know, going inward, my going inward journey, to put it that way. And so he has some pretty, he has some pretty great resources. And so I think that we need to be well-rounded in our lives. And so, you know, I think some of us can be so focused on our one thing. If we're in business, we could be so focused and just listen to all of that stuff. And I was that way for a long time. I was only reading, you know, business things and only, you know, listening to investment stuff and i realized that i had to be way i had to be more well-rounded and i think that is why i've been able to approach money in this way Is i can now see it so much differently than what i saw before earlier on in my career
1: yeah absolutely well awesome if uh, people want to catch up with you where can they find you
0: sure so i'm on um, linkedin you can um, look my name up on LinkedIn. I me- answer my messages. I check them often. So you can look me up there. I also have a website through UBS that you can find me on there. My contact information, my email, my phone number, everything's there. So please feel free to look me up and shoot me a line if you want to ask any questions.
1: Thank you so much for coming on. I think we're going to have to do a part two of this because I want to dive more into this behavior, philosophy, You know all the stuff that you've started to uh, uncover here.
0: That'd be fun. I'd love that.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, we will catch up soon.
0: All right. Thanks, Clint.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Next Peak Podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, please subscribe, share it with a friend and leave us a review, whether you're listening on Apple, Google, Spotify, or any of the other great listening services out there. We love the reviews. We love to read them and they we appreciate the encouragement that we get from them. Also, if you'd like to connect with Parker or I, we're both on LinkedIn and you can find us on www.nextpeakpodcast.com. If you want to connect with Parker, you can find him at leadyoufirst.com. Sign up for his weekly blog to receive some research-based tools that will help you transform your work and your life. Until next week, keep climbing your next peak.